Welcome to the Building to Scale podcast, where we bring real entrepreneur stories that showcase the challenges and successes in building and scaling an entrepreneurial business. Our host, Jeff Chastain, is a business transformation coach with Admentis, where he coaches business leaders and their teams with a proven set of principles and tools helping them gain clarity in and get more of what they want from their business. Make sure to stick around until the end of the show, and we will reveal how you can become our next guest. Welcome, everybody. Jeff Chastain here with the Building to Scale podcast, where I have the opportunity to really to speak with entrepreneurial business leaders and influencers, just hearing their stories of, of growth and scale as they've grown and scaled their business to where it is today. So today with me, I have Mr. Jeff Arnold with RightSure Insurance out of, I believe it was Tucson, Arizona, wasn't it, Jeff? Yep. Beautiful Tucson. So, so welcome to the show. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day here to come talk with us and share some expertise. Awesome. Always wonderful to spend time with another Jeff, right? Never pass up on those. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I run into it actually fairly often and it, it can provide confusion more often than not, but at least with two <laughs> of us, we know who we're referring to here. So <laughs> Good stuff. So, so tell us a little bit more about, about RightShare and about yourself here. Yeah, thanks again for the opportunity to been listening to some prior podcast sessions and uh, really engaging and learn a lot. So thank you so much. Um, so right, right technology company in the insurance space, right? And uh, at the 30,000 foot level, um, our technology helps people save money on insurance, like so many others promise. But ours is focused on the, the client experience and on the backside, right? Uh, to help people find missing discounts and never pay another rate increase again uh, from the insurance company. So we're not so much front end shop. Everyone's in that space. We're in a different space in what we call the blue ocean space, right? If you ever heard of red ocean, blue ocean, we're in the blue ocean space of we have tens of thousands of policyholders, and uh, our job is to just save them money and keep them from paying rate increases. And of course, that leads to others interested in our technology. So that's thirty thousand foot level. <laughs> so yeah, blue ocean being obviously looking for the the unique idea, the new idea, kind of a thing out there rather than swimming in the pond with everybody else, which is kind of what you typically think of from an insurance perspective. Like, okay, there's another agent on, on every corner. So how did you kind of get into insurance in the first place? And how did you kind of decide, hey, we need to be more of the blue ocean differentiate here and come up with that differentiator? Because I know that's what a lot of people obviously struggle with of saying, hey, I've got expertise in insurance. I've got expertise in medical. How do I make myself different than the guy next door? Yeah, how to differentiate yourself, right? Well, well, the first question was uh, is uh, a bit long. I'll try to truncate it a bit. But uh, <clears throat> I grew up in a small town in Kentucky, and I was working in the tobacco and hay fields in the middle of July. So think humidity and just oppressive heat. <clears throat> and I'm uh, probably 14 years old, maybe 15. And I was sitting with my friend Chuck, uh, just finished hanging some uh, tobacco because I was too skinny and scrawny to hang the hay. I mean, lift the hay bales, right? And this guy drives up in a four-door Buick with the windows up, which means he had air conditioning. How awesome, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, he steps out in this really crisp, ironed white shirt. I remember asking my friend, what's he do? And he said, insurance or something like that. And I was like, um, be thinking about that. <laughs> so fast forward uh, out of the military and school and uh, some uh, acting, minor acting in Hollywood, I fell back into insurance or fell into insurance. And I remembered that uh, that story from a decade before, right, of sitting in the hayfield. So that's how I ended up in the this wonderful industry, which uh, I refer to as the uh, industry of all things sexy, exciting, fun, and just plain awesome. I know I'm on an island there. <laughs> <It's not laughs> <a lot of people. laughs> 
Not Maybe a lot of people share that. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then uh, started my own firm many, many years ago, 31 years ago, and um, been in insurance ever since. And then, so for the second question, you said, um, how did we get in that space? And it really was um, to disrupt, right? Like, uh, everyone's trying to, looking for something different. And you absolutely pinned it correct. There's an agent everywhere on every website or on every corner. And how do we differentiate ourselves, right? And so ours was uh, to focus on the client experience and the back end space. Like everyone's clamoring for you on the front end, quote us, let us quote us, let us quote you and save you a lot of money. And we're like, well, we have plenty of clients and we'll get more if we just take care of the ones we have. So it's about fine tuning that experience and never having them pay another rate increase again, if we can keep them from it, right? There's always an exception, but we just have you know, 40 plus markets in 42 states. So uh, we really see our, our technology allows us to find missing discounts for companies or new platforms or new new programs are offering. So uh, again, that can be the boring part, but when you tell people, ah, you'll never pay more for insurance uh, ever again, then that gets people excited, right? So that's, that's a wrap. And then uh, one more quick thing is, um, our growth a lot of times has been attributed to really our vision, our mission, our purpose outside of insurance, right? So this is unique and not a lot of people do this. It's probably being a, a preacher's son, grandson, great-grandson, and great-great-grandson, right? Those, my, all those four were, were my daddy, his daddy, grandfather, great-grandfather were all ministers. They're not sure what I do, but uh, <laughs> you have to have a bigger purpose, right? That's purpose-led, kind of community-driven. Um, and so we have, you know, four big um, charities that we support. Our purpose outside of insurance, uh, I'll bore you with it quickly. It's uh, city, state, national, and global or worldwide, right? So uh, locally in our city, we support all the local community food banks, right? No, no child going behind hunger. We sig uh, contribute a significant amount of dollars. And then statewide, um, we support all the uh, victim uh, domestic violence service houses, right? Victim, these these houses that the folks need to go to to get their lives back together, right? On the national level, we support the Special Olympics because those are children very much in need of support, right? And, and they're trying to make themselves better and doing so much that, that everyone wants to. And on the global level, uh, we contribute significantly to ending human trafficking. So when you put that kind of purpose behind an insurance operation, it really it speaks to people, right? It's deeper than just policy count and policy numbers. So yeah. long answer. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's interesting. And then quite a few points out of it. So I, I like it kind of a thing there, but it was going back to the, the uniqueness part and even the culture kind of part right there of saying, I guess your comment about making everybody can give you a quote kind of thing that that's really true. And that's, to me, that's not a, a differentiator because like you said, you can go to anybody's website, you can get a quote, basically you're winning a customer on price at that point and in all likelihood losing a customer on price there that they're going to go get a quote somewhere else and if that's if they're only looking at you for the price at that point then you're, you're, you're going to lose them over you're going to lose them probably pretty quickly at that point and your your comment there of taking that kind of the step further and saying okay focus on the customer experience because a lot of people I found especially early on it's just hey how many customers can we get in the door can we keep getting more getting more and you don't pay any attention to the ones you've already got the ones that are potentially going out the back door at that point so it's a, a lot cheaper to probably build that experience on the back side and maintain those customers than to be constantly going out and fishing for new ones at that point fishing in that same pond i absolutely agreed right it's uh <clears throat> The price game is live by the sword, die by the sword. They'll, if, you know, if it's just price-based, they'll leave you the minute your rates change. That's going to happen. There has to be some value add and, and a purpose behind what you do. So I absolutely agree. Could not agree more. 
Yeah, I think the the phrase I've heard before is the race to the bottom, basically on prices. Like, okay, who's going to be who's going to be cheaper this week, kind of a thing. And there's just no there's no building any long term lasting value. So I love the love the value kind of concept and the culture kind of concept there. So looking at it forward, what do you? And it's interesting you you mentioned it about all the the charity giving and the the culture kind of attitude. How do you see that come back, or do you see that come back to to the company itself? Yeah, so it's not a metric we measure for for income because it's who we are at our ethos, right? At our core, it's right. You're you're, you're fortunate. You give back, and so um, and actually, we up until two years ago, we used to not even talk about it because I just I was always brought up and kind of waste your blessing kind of thing if you tell everyone what all the good you do right i mean what good are you you're really getting the blessing and not helping someone and so we've been very very quiet about it but um there's a shift of late that um you know mostly on the social media that people want to tell you what they do and so we're never going to be the kind to stand up there with checks saying look how much we gave because we're just that's just too in your face but um we we, we give back a lot and the we're not looking for it to gain customers. It's who we are. Our business model supports that life. It's no different than a Chick-fil-A. You know, Chick-fil-A has a higher calling, a higher mission, and it's an exceptional service when you go through their uh, one of their locations. And ours is the same, right? Trying to build that unique, superior client experience on every transaction, every single time. Um, and the other stuff that we're able to do and the communities we're able to help and the world we're able to change is a byproduct of that. Yeah. Well, and I, I see it even more that it was, it's interesting you mentioned that I was just actually recently given a, a book called Go G- or Go Giver, and it was it's it's been around for quite some time, just something I had never seen or heard. But it's the mentality of saying okay, and it, I think it probably follows in with the the giving back and the faith and everything you're talking about is like the attitude should just be to give. Okay, well, how can I help today? How can I help somebody else today? Without really having it be so transactional. It's like so much today, it seems like all business is transactional. Okay, if I give you a lead, then you're supposed to give me a lead back or stuff like that. It's like, just go out there with the mentality of, hey, we're going to help and things will come back. That like you said, even if you're not tracking metrics on, okay, what what came back? The fact that you're dealing with local food pantries or whatever, and there's, there's interaction with people there, all of a sudden still, they know in your mind or in their mind, okay, the next time I need insurance or next time I know somebody, Hey, I, I remember Jeff just from our, our interactions here at the food bank or stuff like that. So it does, I find it does come around and it's, it's more that it's just a different approach to say, Hey, we're actually out there just looking to help and sales of the back end kind of a thing there almost. Yeah. Give, give expecting nothing in return. Right. I mean, uh, you haven't truly given unless you've given to someone who can do nothing for you. Right. Yeah. So you just get kind of compassion love. I mean, that's, that's real giving. Right. So, uh, yeah. Now it's it makes sense. Just interesting. I had never been down that path before, but interesting there. So I'm curious when we're talking about um, you're talking about keeping the the rates locked in and things like that from a, a technology standpoint. What's what's again? If you don't mind sharing any of your secret sauce there, kind of thing. What's what's how is that working from a differentiator standpoint in terms of measuring things, getting getting your the, the plans, et cetera, put together. How are you setting that up yeah. or approaching that differently? Yeah, well, we're very blessed. We're on a super hockey stick growth, right? Month over month, year over year. It's phenomenal. Very, very, very fortunate. And so it's really easy to talk to consumers about, you know, if you download our app, 
Um, you'll never be surprised by another rate increase and we'll always get in touch with you every six months, every year about finding missing discounts, right? Um, and you know what, what's happened over the past decade so is uh, insurance companies spend billions on advertising, right? You pinned it early, it's race to the bottom. How cheap can we get it? So now the average consumer has the expectation that it should always go down. And insurance only does one thing ever. It goes up, right? I mean, it's yeah. the ads say one thing, but in reality, the universe says, no, you have to have more money to pay more claims, right? And so there's this disconnect. And the oddity in our business that you do not find anywhere else, and I challenge your listeners to, to apply this, this, this truth bomb here, is um, anywhere else, if you shop for the lowest common denominator by price, you would admittedly readily accept that the value is not the same, right? That the quality is not as good, right? I mean, if you're buying a high-end car or a low-end car clunker, right? You know the value is just not the same. The same for food. If you shop at a, you know, or if you take your wife or spouse or significant other to a high-end restaurant, you expect that to be a better, superior experience than, you know, if you take it to 7-Eleven or Quick Trip to eat. You know what I mean? You just do. And so that's that's at play in everyone's mind in the in the otherwise real world in the insurance world there's this anomaly that thinks oh it's just about price and they're all the same and nothing could be further from the proof the truth it's not true in cars it's not true in food it's not true in your house right but for some reason that methodology exists in insurance <laughs> and so um, we just tell people caveat emptor in insurance, like everything, you get what you pay for, right? So, yeah. so the, the other hidden growth uh, metric or mechanism in our business and in our, in our application is letting people really know what's not covered, right? So if you want the cheapest rate, that's fine. Let's just tell you what's not covered. Because if you find out at claims time, you hate everyone and it's your fault you know, you know, because you race to the bottom. So let's tell you what's not covered. And that's been a big uh, pivot for us, right? Uh, again, most people use insurance, their eyes glaze over, they go to sleep. We're making it fun, exciting, and we can save you money and tell you what's good and bad, then we kind of peek up. Um, I have one more uh, little um, knowledge point here, if you got a second, Jeff, is um, sure. uh, how to beat your insurance company. We, we step back and we looked um, at over 20 and 25 years, and we tell consumers this, if you stop shopping for a second and just look back, you're going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars, right, on insurance and life insurance and health insurance and auto and home umbrella any toys. I guarantee you it's six figures in your lifetime, right? And many customers that we went through without exaggeration, $300,000, $400,000 over 25 year period. And so the thing to do in our business does not think, you know, just how cheap can I get it? But to think more holistically, what kind of plan can I put together? Uh, how can I get some of that money back? Like in the terms of life insurance over the years, when, when I no longer have children that I need to provide for and my assets are larger. So I could geek out on all this, but uh, this is a business show. <laughs> well, no, it's still, it's, it's like you said, insurance is not necessarily the topic that most everybody wants to talk about. And it's, to me, the difference in the value is, okay, yes, a, a house or a car has got more value, I don't necessarily see the insurance value until something happens. And by that point, like you said, it's too late at that point. So it's, it's, a, it, I can tell where it's a different, slightly different paradigm market for sure. Kind of trying to sell and position it and explain it for that matter. But I like what you're saying about 
the education aspect because too often, like I said, all we can see is the price. So that's what we shop on without really being educated as to what's behind it. Because I've got a friend in insur insurance as well. And I, we've had several discussions along those lines like, okay, so and so really thought this was covered and it really wasn't kind of a thing. They just don't know at that point. So I'm curious just from the, the actual business side, since you mentioned talking business kind of thing, what's the What's the growth scale been like? Because you said uh, 50 some odd employees. On, I, I expect you didn't run out the gate with with 50 employees there. So what's the what, what's the growth scale kind of look like over the years with with your company? What's that? What changes have that made for for you? Yeah, so ebb and flow. I mean, I've I've uh, been uh, ran companies with eight nine hundred employees. Uh, started over in two thousand eight, like so many people, up to one hundred and sixty employees, back down to forty. So it's just this accordion thing, um, and. Uh, this time, you know, the, your third time at bat, right? You're like, okay, we're going to be intentional about how this, how we staff this, how we structure it, how the compensation plan goes, how the growth model looks like. So we're actually growing much faster. That's a good thing than, than we predicted and wanted to, right? Because it's like at every next benchmark, we wanted to wrap the technology into it to, to make it a great, an exceptional experience. It's a great experience. It can, we're always after exceptional, right? And so, um, the last two years, we've added another 15, 18 folks. Uh, we could have added 30 or 40, but we're leveraging technology, right, to do that. So uh, growth is a little faster than we want. We're not afraid of hyper growth, but uh, having been involved in things that did hockey stick for four or five straight years, it's uh, it's nice to be in control of the growth, if you can ever be in control, <laughs> right? So. Uh, I think somewhat the control aspect is, is fictional for sure. It, it, it seems like we're in control some days and other days. Yeah, not so much, but oh, still, admittedly, yes. Yeah, doing it, doing it at least according to a plan and having a plan is at least better than complete fly by fly by the seat of your pants. And OK, what's today going to bring? Yeah. So what's kind of been those changes? Was this I guess uh, I guess I'm trying to clarify here on the, the company side. So you said third time around. So did you come into this saying, OK, I'm going to build a bigger business or was this still just kind of your your personal insurance practice because i know a lot of insurance agencies can be still the the one solo practitioner basically with a an assistant kind of a thing there how did, how did you get started on this this venture yeah so in the uh the late 90s the 1990s because i know like my children think it's the 1890s we're talking because like, yep. they think i am that aged right but uh, in the 90s i sold to a bank uh 5,000 employees the bank had uh we had great growth there and then 2000 happened and this bank disappeared like so many other banks right um and so um i had an insurance operation then and so uh, this time around it's like we're just going to start from scratch again right and we're going to uh, leverage technology and we're going to be on the the you know the tech enabled forefront of everything the cutting edge and that's what we did we, we've never been a typical i want to call it mom and pop with no uh uh no ill will or no bad feelings for mom and pop. We've just always been, you know, a, a great deal larger than those. Um, and by, and by design. Um, so we just methodically and intentionally said, we're going to grow using a bunch of web properties and our number one, uh, way that we're going to get business is very simple. PWOM positive word of mouth, right? We're not, we don't need to have big budgets. We're going to wow every single person that comes in contact with us and they can't wait to tell someone else. And a lot of people say, yeah, we grow in referrals. That's all we do. Positive word of mouth and people tell all kinds of people, right? Conversely, if you do something wrong, they tell 10 times as many people, right? <laughs> so you Where's have that? to be very, very successful at it. So. Well, that's, and it is true because it's, 
like I said earlier, it's it's the one where you're dealing somebody cold. If you're going out, pick whatever marketing medium or whatever you're going out kind of thing. You're you're having to start from scratch. You're really having to train somebody up new. Versus if you do have that that referral, that word of mouth kind of a thing there, it just instills so much more trust. So yeah, if you can definitely do that, that's yeah, you'll you'll get a lot more a lot more return on that investment right there, pouring into that existing customer like we were talking about there to hopefully get them to refer all their friends. So looking forward kind of thing, what's what's on the radar in terms of, of the business sitting here going forward? Is it what what's the what's the next four or five years look like? Yeah, so we'll open up some more states, right? Add uh, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of more users to the app and the platform and then uh, focus on uh, what the next piece of the world that we can change, right? What's the next charity that we could do? We're really looking at, uh, you know, uh, building more homes in um, in South and South. Central America. We've done 10 of those. And I'm not talking about where we write checks, but going down there and physically building, right? It's life changing. Um, and then um, maybe lots of trees and uh, wells in Africa. And so it's really this kind of missionary approach with um, using the co our company as a vehicle, right? And so um, uh, insurance is a wonderful product. I fall in love with it, right? You, you, can, you can hopefully hear the passion, but it also allows us to do a lot of wonderful things in the world. And so um, um, we take care of the customers. We take care of the planet. It, the, the business and the app take care of itself. It really, really does. No, it's interesting because I just saying that kind of rewind me back. I'm, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to place it now. I think it's actually uh, Dan Sullivan's strategic coach where he's talking about uh, the freedom or the power of being an entrepreneur kind of a thing. And one component of that is really basically using having your company be a vehicle for your culture, for your to be able to go out and do things like you're, you're talking about there about extending that culture out, extending those beliefs but just the give back kind of a thing there so it's it's that that positive culture aspect of it there so that's interesting like i said just just click to mind right there that you were talking about that so in terms of um i guess when you're looking at that that kind of culture and building out the organization how does that impact more your internal day-to-day -day operations with with your people in terms of bringing on new employees dealing with current employees etc things like that how is that culture rolled back in there uh, opposite kind of the the outside facing of it, like you're talking about, about yeah. doing the other things. How does it work internally? Yeah, so internally, we in, invest a great deal of time, <clears throat> every leader's time, every director's time, and, and, and a significant amount of money, right, on continuing education and leadership, right? Um, so first, every person in our company has to start with themselves, right? The leader starts from within. You can't lead anyone, a client to a decision or change the world or even a, a small division of our company without being right inside yourself for a leader inside yourself, right? So everyone goes through leadership courses internally. We have three or four different firms that we use, right? And then um, as you grow, we have to make sure they understand, you know, what our metrics are, what our standards and benchmarks are. Um, there's one thing that's true in every part of our organization, and that's what gets measured gets done, right? So we measure so many things, right? Uh, they are each day. Everyone has about 92 dashboards, without exaggeration, that that just measures everything from calls on hold to customers needing this to you know, a response times to fires going on. So we're making sure we're talking to our clients about anything. So there's all these different dashboards um, that, that we measure because what gets measured gets done. So we start with leadership, right? That's, that's super core to who our people are, right? And give them the individual skills necessary, right? Um, how to deal with conflict, right? Um, uh, the difference between tension and conflict. One is good to, to elicit the right behavior from a, a low performing employee. The other is destructive 
but not part of our ethos, right? So tension is good. It's okay to ratchet up tension a little bit. Conflict isn't isn't so great, right? It it, it poisons the environment, and right, uh, you're like this cancer that people want to cut out because there's a way to do it and there's a way not to do it. And so we give them these skill sets, um, and then we depending on the path they want to go, we'll uh, give them all these financial tools, right, to, to to be in the finance space. So if you want to be a risk manager, we'll give them all the uh, risk management tools or risk financing tools to focus on the insurance space. But I could go along. All, all, all into this, but we have um, you know a whole series of key strategic indicators that every division in the company has to go by or aligns with, right? Um, and inside those key strategic indicators are standards and benchmarks that we measure everything. And I'll just bore you with one of them real quick um, because it's really easy to change behavior without destroying the person because that's what we're after, right? Correct the negative behavior without destroying the person. It's really simple when you change it to a narrative-based counseling session. And narrative-based in our operation is like this. We simply have you envision a scale from a plus 10 on the right side to a negative 10 on the left side, right? <clears throat> and let's take something as simple as a customer calls into your operation, how do you handle that call, right? For us, it must be a plus 10. You have to use a greeting, you have to use their name, right? You have to ask at the end of the call if there's anything else you can help them with. But during the call, if they need to be transferred somewhere, we don't have voicemail in our company. You warm transfer to anyone or you get someone on the phone for them, or if they have to, we'll call them back, we'll then play voicemail because we assure you, Mr. Chastain, someone in our firm will call you back in seven to 10 minutes or, or however, right? That's a plus 10. The negative 10 is, you answer the phone chewing gum or chewing food and don't use the greeting or you transfer them to a voicemail. And so you can really see quickly how to get everyone's behavior to the plus 10 because they know what you want. Because yeah. if you ask your employees or your listeners ask their employees, are you good at customer service? Well, everyone thinks they're great at customer service. Oh, I'm fantastic. People love me. How? Tell me how. That's what we measure. Everything needs to be a plus 10, right? And that goes to, you know, is there any garbage in on the floor in our office? Is, how does the front office look? Kind of everything. And so everything's plus 10s and negative 10s. It's really easy to get your culture focusing on that and telling you, hey, Jeff, man, you know that was a negative five on that call. You know that, right? Like, don't let Jeff hear that because he's going to be about plus 10s. That's much easier than waiting once a year to counsel someone to correct behavior. That's worthless, right? You lose people that way. So I got geeked out on you there, but that's, uh, that's how we, that's how we no, do it internally. It, it really makes a lot of sense. And it's, it's one that I, I harp on a lot of times with, with customers or with clients kind of a thing there, because it's what can be measured, like you're saying. It's, it's much more concrete there. If I can sit down on a regular basis, like you're saying, and have real metrics there or real uh, even the scale kind of a thing there to understand, okay, what's, where's the expectation? Where's the bar being set? Because a lot of times, if you don't have the clarity on your role, if you don't have the clarity on even what's being expected for you, like you said, you, you think you're doing a great job, but against what, what bar, against what measure right there. And too many people are operating really without that measure. It's kind of the expectation. The CEO says, I, I, I think you understand what I want you to do. And of course they're, on a completely different page right there. And then expectations are rarely met at that point, but it gives you that, the ability to sit down on monthly, quarterly, whatever kind of basis and have a, a real conversation there rather than blindsiding somebody that, hey, my expectation's this and yours is this. Where, where did we where did we miss? We've actually got somebody on the same page. So I, I like it a lot, a lot. And that's something that I'm, like I said, work with a lot of people on. 
and it, and it goes to, um, sorry to cut you off there, Jeff. I mean, people, you, I'm this way, you're this way, all our employees are this way, most people are this way. Everyone at some point is driven to distraction, right? We want to do the easy things. We want to take the easy way out. And the easy way is, yeah, we give good customer service. The, the difficult way is to do it the right way, the hard way, right? Um, if it was easy, everyone would do it, right? It's only real leaders that step up and do the standards, the benchmarks, and have the meetings. This is the new way, the new company, right? Um, everyone on the boat. Uh, if you can't get on this boat, we're going to leave you at the dock, right? That's fine. But this is the new way this ship operates, right? We're a plus 10. There are plenty of companies that just want you to deliver the service level that you want. Go find them, right? Here, this is the Kool-Aid we drink. This is the plus 10 that we give, right? So, yeah. yeah. No, and it's 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 good for sure. And it's it's really, it goes still about setting the business apart. How, how, again, how are you different from other insurance agencies kind of a thing there? And it really comes down to just because you say, hey, we're going to deliver the best customer service. You got to, okay, now let's actually back it up. Because like you said, that, that person that, that customer that doesn't get the customer service, they're going to well, be a whole lot louder than the 10 people that did kind of a thing there right there. So you're, yeah. you're going to, you're going to hear about it and your prospects will hear about it too. Yeah. So you got to be able to deliver when you, when you make a claim like that, for sure. So always appreciate the time and everything. Appreciate the insight. Always like kind of coming back at the end and really wrapping up to say, Hey, if there was something, we're obviously all been in business here for a while, but if there was something five, 10, something years ago to say, Hey, if I had just tried this, if I had known this at the time, things might not necessarily have been a lot easier, but still have been different or been a little bit faster kind of a thing going on. Does anything come to mind? Sure. Yeah. Uh, a saying really quickly, you know, too soon old, too late smart, right? So okay. that one comes to mind. But then, you know, what I didn't do er early in my career um, is I just didn't pay enough attention. This is just internal focus, right? Look to, to all the different metrics, right? And so um, um, you know, from the finance metrics to the experience metrics to the to the net promoter score, I mean, all these things that matter, right? Measuring what matters. I just didn't pay enough attention to it. I was too busy, you know, making it, packing it, shipping it, right? Making payroll, being like keeping the lights on. And so had, had I had the experience, the wisdom and the knowledge, which I did not have, um, those, those, those could have been uh, company changing behaviors, right? If I developed. And so um, I think, if I was talking to my younger self, it was find out what metrics matter and start measuring them because, uh, you know, it's devoid of personality sometimes or a, a lot of emotion around it. Um, it's just the numbers will tell you if you go in the direction that you want the company to go. And so um, we're not trying to take the, the soul out of the company, but you have to be able to be led by the numbers and not just the financial numbers, right? every number, right? How long do customers wait to get your product? How long do customers wait on hold to talk to you? What's the response time if you have to call them back, right? So all these things matter. And if you can't figure out a way to measure it, then maybe you're not in the right spot where you need to get someone to measure because these things matter. So that's my, yeah. my talk to my younger self. <laughs> <laughs> yep, no worries. But no, it's, it really is true. The only thing I would say add to that, because a lot of the examples that you laid off laid out are what I would refer to as kind of the lagging or the post indicators that, okay, we're already seeing how long the hold times is and how long the, the, if you can get some of those numbers to look at your, your leading indicators, your pre kind of thing to say, okay, how many people do I have in my funnel right now? If my target's 40 and I've only got 20, that's telling me ahead of time, I'm going to have sales and, and fulfillment issues down the road. So we've got to address things like that. So as many times as you can do the leading indicators on that, just to head off the problems rather than to be, post-reaction kind of a thing of, of having the problems and dealing with it. But still, either way, 
it gives just having the numbers gives you the clarity. It's like that's that's one area where I see myself included a lot of entrepreneurs struggle is like we're we're used to hands on in the business, knowing everything that's going on. And if you've got those numbers, that gives you the the ability really to step back and step out and say, hey, all the numbers, all the dashboards green. I don't have to get in there and, and listen to sales calls or listen to whatever kind of the stuff all the time there. I can see that promoter scores are all green. So they must be doing doing something right, at least. Yes. <laughs> so appreciate that for sure. But yeah, definitely good there. So um, if people want to learn more about the company or actually, I guess you were talking about a, a third book coming out right now. So what's What's the best way to, to find you or get some more information about? Yeah, thank you so much. So uh, my passion is the company, rightshare.com. It's R-I-G-H-T-S-U-R-E.com. And then the gives back is Jeff Arnold. So jeffarnold.com. And that's that's my books, uh, methodology, videos of the kids and stuff. <laughs> okay. uh, but no, I write monthly publications for uh, a lot of insurance journals and insurance articles. And so I, I put those up on there uh, as well, mostly for free. And then uh, all three of my books are up. Well, two of my books are up there now. The third will be up there soon at jeffarnold.com. Great. Yeah, I was taking a look at it. A lot, a lot of information up there and a lot, of, a lot of good stuff. So I appreciate the time. Appreciate the insight there. Thanks so much, Jeff. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Building to Scale podcast. If you would like to share your entrepreneurial business growth story, please visit buildingtoscale.com slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you do both us and our guest a favor and share it on your social media accounts? Don't forget to hit subscribe in your player so that you don't miss any future episodes and make sure to reach out to Jeff Chastain on any of the major social media networks or check us out at admentis.com.